Hello and welcome to Hummingbird, a weekly podcast with April Lee Janes and Jessica Outram. So today we continue our monthly focus on business for creatives and look at money and emotion with Joan Sotkin. So how do you feel about money in your creative business and what questions do you have? And I can't wait to learn all the things from Joan today. <laughs> well, Welcome. I just want to, inter I want to introduce Joan because I actually went back, Joan, and I looked to see when we first started talking together and you were on my business podcast in 2015. So wow. <laughs> six years. Yeah, six years years joan and i talk every what two to three weeks we've stayed in contact never met in person but we're best of friends so yes and yeah and i we will put a link to joan's website at the end of this in our show notes uh joan is probably one of the wisest people i know about money because she goes way beyond the whole idea of budgeting and sale prices and everything else and talks about the emotions behind our money. So that that's kind of what we're going to focus on today. So welcome, Joan. I'm thrilled that you're going to join us today on our talk. This is so making me very happy. So fun. <laughs> <laughs> we love guests. The guest is new for us. This You're our second guest ever on Hummingbird. And uh, we're so thrilled to learn from you today. All right. So as way of more introduction, do you want to tell us how you got into talking about money the way you do? Because you talk about brain science, emotion, and everything else. What what led you to that? Well, it's a long story, but I'll shorten it because um, <laughs> I'm 80 years old and still kicking. So <laughs> with a lot of energy because, and I think it's because of everything I've learned about emotions, because when people get old, you know, they get old and kind of shrunk up. It's like they're holding in all that pain and all the anger and all the stuff that they've never expressed in their life. And I came from a family that was very, it, it was a family full of Capricorns, if you know anything about astrology. So we never touched each other. We just handed each other $20 bills. So it was very much about money. And I remember once my uh, mother was in the hospital and close to dying, although she made it through. And I, my father was talking to me and my voice was breaking up. And he said, now, now, you know that Sotkins don't feel. Which was, and so I wondered why I was crying all the time. <laughs> you know? So I had to figure out this thing called feelings, because I knew there was something there and I had to find out more about it. And I just started researching. I had been meditating since 1972. So it, I've been doing the inner work for a long time. In 1976, I gave away everything I owned, had no money, never knew where I was gonna stay and just followed that inner voice. And I was activating my right brain <laughs> for sure. When I came back after that journey, no one knew what I was talking about. And I wound up getting my pilot's license, which is very left brain. So I had the advantage of balancing my brain and wound up building a crystal business, 
first time, I was the first one to market crystals and minerals for healing and meditation nationwide. I had a line of stones called Jones Stones that were in 600 stores. This was in the early 1980s. And I, I did fabulously well. I was bringing in, in today's money, $80,000 a month and went bankrupt. Why? Because I didn't know how to manage cash flow. And at, time, at that time, there was no internet. And when I went to the bank and said, I've reached my level of incompetence, they just wanted to lend me more money. They didn't see that there was something else going on. I had a bookkeeper three times a week, but I, what I really needed was a controller. But I knew nothing about organizational development and who's supposed to work in an organization. And so I closed the business. And I had two millionaire brothers. And, and I saw that there was something wrong. You know, why were they able to do that? And I was having so much trouble. And that's been my quest since the late uh, 1980s. Why, what is it that, that creates our life stories? I don't believe that life happens to us. I believe that it happens through us. And I've come to believe that our thoughts, beliefs, and emotions affect our life and financial outcomes with the emotions being the creative force behind our life stories. Do you want me to say a little bit more about that? I would love you to. That's just a big, powerful statement you just shared. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, that to me is the core, the core of this whole thing. So for example, a lot of people have a re recurring, in other words, the Whatever, you're, whatever problems you're having about money are not about money. About, it's about the emotions you're acting out through your money. And one of the habits that people have that they act out through the money is the feeling of disappointment. So if you have, you know, I, I did this artwork and I thought it would sell and it didn't, I'm so disappointed that no one loved it. I'm so disappointed I couldn't get it into a gallery. I'm so disappointed that no one appreciates what I'm doing. I'm so disappointed, we can go on and on. So that disappointment is a habit. All your thoughts, beliefs and emotions are habits that you learn very early in childhood. And I can go into that whole thing. But if you have a disappointment habit, then you're going to create stories in your life that allow you to feel disappointed. And uh, in my book, Build Your Money Muscles, when I wrote it 15 years ago, I identified five main feelings that people act out through their money. Aloneness or feeling alone, lonely, anger, deprivation, shame, and a sense of being trapped. And almost every other thing is like a, a variation of those things. And when you can identify what you're feeling instead of what's happening, that's a pathway into solving your money problems which may sound odd. Right now, there is an epidemic of loneliness 
You've, you may have read about it. I mean, it's affecting the kids, it's affecting the adults, because what happens during COVID is that we're facing ourselves in a way we never have before, mm. because all that That's external si stimulus is gone. You know, you can still play loud music and you can still smoke and people are, you know, doing drugs and they're, they're doing porn and they're doing the, the things that distract us from what we're actually feeling. And so I've been really diving into the whole aloneness thing, because I really saw that this is one of the main things that people act out through the money. So if you're saying, I need more money. If only I had more money so I could do blah, blah, blah. If only I had more money. That's the mantra. And what you're really saying is I need more people because money always comes from people. And if you keep saying I need more money and it's never about money, what you're saying is I feel so alone. And why do artists feel especially alone. Well, if you come from a family of non-artists, they can't understand how you think and how you make your decisions. Um, I'm not a, a visual artist. I don't sew, I don't do all the things that a preli does, but my, my art is my words. I'm a writer and I talk. I always say that when I got punished for talking all the time, they didn't realize I was practicing my craft. And I see now that I, I love that. <laughs> that I've gotten <laughs> to this age. Um, I see that my talent is being able to verbalize things that people wonder about, particularly now about feelings. So I yeah. knew at one point that I had to teach myself how to feel because I had no idea. And I was going to 12-step programs and I learned that I went to Overeaters Anonymous and they said, it's your emotions. And I went to Debtors Anonymous and they said, it's your emotions. And, I, and, and when I talked about what I was feeling, people would clap because that's what happens in the 12-step programs. And I thought, this is really okay. So I made a list of over 50 feelings and I would actually practice them during the day so I could recognize the difference between, between satisfied and disappointed, you know, and to be able to put a name to what I was feeling. And I was coming from a place with no feeling vocabulary. <laughs> so if any of you have that problem, you can start from zero and get to a grade. I took a test recently for emotional intelligence and it says in self-awareness, I got 99%, which is pretty high. <laughs> the average person gets yeah, in the yeah. 60s. <clears throat> so this has been a lifelong journey. And what's been coming up lately is, is in, in my face is the aloneness piece. Because as an empath, I'm tapping into all the aloneness that other people are feeling. And so I have to look at mine on a deeper level. And I see that whenever there's any kind of abuse or neglect in childhood, 
that the feeling that happens is, is aloneness. I remember saying to my mother after my father had died and we were having lunch and I said, how come you never protected me from my father? And she said, because I didn't want to affect my relationship with him. And that helped me understand that I really did need protection and that she mm -hmm. wasn't there. And, you know, my question is, when, when you have a, an emotional habit or a thinking habit, can these things change? Well, I've seen a change over the years, but I also see that this aloneness piece has been at the core of much of my dysfunction. And it's very interesting because every time my brothers have asked me what's the matter, and I was saying, well, I can't pay my rent. I can't, you know, because I, I, I had to get rescued many times. They always fixed it by giving me money to help me solve the financial problem. Mm -hmm. And yesterday, um, I, I, I was going to sell my house. And I mean, I do okay. And I've had periods where I earn a lot of money. So Underneath it all, I know that I can make the money because I did in the crystal business, I did in the business I have now. But every once in a while, I experience what I call up and down income. Have any of you ever experienced up and down? <laughs> okay. And people will come to me and say, I was making so much money and then it just seemed to disappear. And I've heard so many stories like that. So what is it? What is it? If we're creating that story, why would we create this lack of, of fun? So I was going to sell my house. I've been here for 20 some odd years and I wind up with a couple of hundred thousand dollars. And in my mind, that would give me no problems at all. And my two very grounded Capricorn brothers um, had a conversation with me one at a time. And they pointed out to me, you know, and one brother said, well, I can't help you right now. Well, he was saying, I can't give you money right now. And he's got lots of reasons. He's got lots of money, but he's also got things that are in his life now. I don't want his money. I want to figure this out. So, but what happened was they spent time with me trying to figure out a solution. And they weren't bossing me around the way they, even though I'm the oldest, they always, you know, kind of take the position that they are smarter than I am, or they know more than I am. They're certainly more emotionally stable than I am, because I've always been the one that's crying, you know, and, and that gets in <laughs> trouble. I had to go to therapy and all these things. And I realized afterwards that I felt seen by them in a way that I had never been seen before. They weren't just seeing my money problem. They were helping me solve my dilemma because, you know, I don't want to sell the house and yet I want to sell the house because it needs a lot of work and I don't want to have to buy. I'm 80 years old. I don't want to be in charge of everything. <laughs> so, and I joined this group recently of, of business women. I've always been 
working with men and suddenly I'm in all these groups with women. Uh, it really has been one of my few really good female friends because she's also left brain, right brain. And, and we get along on a level that I don't normally get along with women. And the other day in the group, they were doing this thing. There were only five of us there. And we, they were doing this thing where, you know, what, what I see in you, you know, and the group each said what they saw in me. And I felt seen in a way that I had never, they saw my authenticity and my intuition. They were seeing things that people rarely say out loud to me. And it's that being seen for who we really are. Aprili, I've seen it with you as your art is being accepted and, and, and exploding. That's not your left brain self, that's your artist self. And I can see how your life comes together so beautifully as you allow yourself to be seen for who you are. It's interesting what you're saying, Joan, because I think that's what drives a lot of artists. Jessica is a, a poet and an artist and a photographer. And I think what drives a lot of us is that wanting to be seen and at the same time, the fear of being seen, right? Absolutely. And um, I know you've got a, yeah, you've got a few questions, Jessica, I, if you wanted to pop them in here about, uh, creatives and and thinking about money and uh, it just feels like there's a tangle right in there that we need to unknot what do you think you're muted oh, Jessica. I, there you go <laughs> oh yeah yeah um yo i think i agree and um i always wonder well what does a healthy relationship with money look like for anyone and for creatives <laughs> <laughs> because uh, okay. <laughs> I could really see myself in a lot of the things that you were you were just saying and and yeah. especially you know when it comes down to things like pricing your work finding that balance between um, the creating and the the selling and that piece like I enjoy the creating part but then when it comes to selling the work um, I find that uh, it gets sticky I would much rather just stay home and create. Right. And uh, at one point I created, I, was, I did website development for a while and I created this site called New Mexico Natural Healing. I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is a very big art market and filled with healers all over the place. So I put together this site. I spent a lot of money putting it together and and then I started selling the thing and I know how to sell, I like to sell. And so I you would have gatherings and people would sign up. And then I, I, I saw that they didn't know anything about marketing and they really needed to know that. So I would have these gatherings to talk about marketing. And I realized that the problem was they thought sales and marketing were dirty words and that it was not, not right for healers who are the same mindset as artists and it Absolutely. just wasn't right for them to be selling <laughs> yeah. and you know when i graduated from college i was selling great books of the western world door to door to to business and professional people so <laughs> i know how to say sign here please <laughs> but you know it's the mark and i know how to market 
And so when I go into the down places, I have to ask myself, what am I feeling? Now you ask the question, how can they develop a better relationship with money? First of all, you can't do it alone. You have to have someone show you how, if you want to do it yourself and you can only afford to do it yourself, it's not that complicated now. You know, I see these commercials for Chime and, and all the apps that are available now. You have to make the decision that even though I'm an artist, I want to make a living as an artist and I have to learn how to do that. The beautiful part about Aprili, she understands that it's a business and that if you don't know how to build a business, then you don't know how to make money because it's all about, what was the word I used in the beginning? It's all about people. People buy things from people they know, love, and trust. And if you don't know how to create people-to-people -people relationships, you're going to stay in financial trouble. Okay. I, mean, I, have, I have a client who um, I worked with a, a long time ago, and um, he, he's made tons of money in, in uh, stock, one of those, the hedge funds. And every once in a while, his income goes down and he gets really panicky when he only has a million dollars left. Um, and he's finally realizing how alone he feels. But when you have a habit, and artists often feel alone because their family didn't understand who the heck they were. Would you agree and with we that? Alone. Yeah. yeah, and, and we also work, work alone. And, and it's yeah. a very alone thing. And it's really your way of expressing who you are and your emotions, but you don't necessarily have words for it. I have mm -hmm. a, a, someone in my life who's a, a very talented photographer and she perceives herself to be an art photographer. So it's really hard for her to make money because she doesn't know how to appeal to the commercial world and refuses to learn how to do that. But her art, her photography can be very dark. Well, not everybody wants to buy dark. You know, I, I, that's why Aprilie's work is doing so well because it's, it's birds and seascapes and, and, and um, bees. I love the bees that, that you paint, <laughs> you know? It's, it's stuff that hits a, a happy place in your heart, which is what people are really looking to do. So even if you're a, a dedicated artist and you want to make money, you have to figure out what the market wants. Some people like a really kind of know instinctively, but you have to be able to tune into the marketplace. And if you don't, and so when you say, how can you make more money? You have to understand the world of money. People, you know, it's funny. People want to market to rich people because obviously they have a lot of money. But the secret is they don't like to spend it. That's how they got rich. So <laughs> <laughs> younger people are more willing to spend than older people because old people are all worried about dying. Um, I mean, all those emotions come into the interactions. So as an artist, 
if you can look, look at where you are, and the best thing to do is look at your bank balance. And when you look at your bank balance, ask yourself, do I feel contracted or expanded? I bet you're feeling contracted. And what's going through your head is, oh, I wish I had more money. And how come no one buys my stuff? And, and how come someone else makes more money and I can't? And all that I'm not good enough and blah, 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 blah. That's not going to sell stuff. <laughs> So one of the things though, that I find that for me is I work as a principal by day. Um, and so I, I have a good income during the day. Um, and so I always find that when it comes to pricing the arts and the creative stuff that I do in the evenings and on weekends, um, I have trouble with that because I feel very privileged to have a good steady income and a stable job and a, you know, and all of those different pieces. And then I, I, I wonder how do I make those decisions around what is that right price point? Okay. It has to do what you think you're worth. And you're feeling guilty yep. about being successful. Yes. Okay. That, that's a problem. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you might, you might want to learn what I call empathetic detachment. I understand how you feel, but I don't have to fix it. In other words, you're feeling sorry for people who, for artists who don't have a steady job. They didn't create that. They created a, a space where they're struggling just as you are to be seen as an artist. Right. So the issue is not that you're not pricing yourself well. The issue is that you don't value yourself as an artist. You're not seeing your value in society as an artist. Yet there are, there are artists who make a lot of money. I, I know people who make a lot of money and I don't get the value of their art. You know, cowboy pictures and, you know, stuff that, it just appeals to people. I don't know why, <laughs> you know, it's, and the guy, this one guy who does the cowboy pictures, I got to know him when I used to go to dog park and he was not a very nice person. <laughs> you know, he was, he, he was very grouchy and, you know, he just knew how to tap into the marketplace. And some people are just better at making money than others. Like the, the hedge fund guy, he, he, he has no problem making money when he gets off his bitty pot. Um, and uh, you can't compare yourself to other people. I can't compare myself to my brothers because they're, they're, it's, they're so different. They were valued more than I was valued as a girl. Boys in my family had more value than girls. And all of that, it's, there's no simple answer. You know, I see these people who are selling programs so you can make $10,000 a month in the next three months. That's such BS because there is no one answer. You have to get to know yourself to learn to love, accept, acknowledge, and appreciate yourself and how to value yourself. Otherwise, you'll never raise your prices. The, you know, the art market is crazy. Did you see the story about the, 
the Bansky thing that just sold for $25 million. He created an artwork um, that sold originally. I think it was, you know, he, do you know who he is? The, the guy in yep, Banksy. Yeah. And, and he had this painting that sold for like $10 million. And at, as soon as it was bought, something, oh, yeah. something was triggered and it went through the shredding process. Half the thing was shredded. And you'd think it made it awful. <laughs> and it just sold for $25 million. Go tell me that that has that kind of value. Um, he just was the greatest marketer in the world, not the greatest artist. It's how you present yourself and, what, and how you believe in yourself. There's, a, there's another flip side of that too, about comparing yourself to other artists. I think sometimes we compare ourselves to our market or what we think is our market. And we want to price according to what we think. I, I just, because I worked in the gallery down below here all summer and we'd have people come in and say, well, I couldn't afford to pay that. I can't do that. Or I wouldn't, I had actually had one woman say, I wouldn't spend five cents in here in the gallery. And it struck me that as artists, we sometimes try and price ourselves according to their budget rather than according to our talent. Exactly. And I think so, that's a place of, we got to claim our talent. Yeah. Right. It's like valuing yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and, yeah. but there is a market, you know, I mean, do watercolors sell the same as oil paints? You know, there's a, there's a no. difference in the market. Uh, fabric yeah. art is not going to sell the same way that oil paints sell. Bansky, I don't think he does oils, so he's just a, a an outlier. No, he's just a street artist. Yeah, yeah, right. So, yeah. you know, why does one person become uh, the 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 most popular singer when there are so many incredible voices around? I mean, I'm I'm a non-singer. One of my father's other rules was Sotkins don't sing. <laughs> so. <laughs> In kindergarten, there were blackbirds, bluebirds, and canaries. The canaries could sing some of the time. The bluebirds could, the canaries could always sing. The bluebirds could sing some of the time. And blackbirds, keep your mouth shut. I was a blackbird. So Sotkins <laughs> don't sing. And so in order to do the healing work that I do, which has a lot of sounds, I had to take singing lessons so I could learn how to match tones and, and do all these things. And I still get nervous when I do that because um, Sotkins can't sing. <laughs> and I'm not singing, I'm just making tones. I, I worked, did some work with an opera singer and she said to me, Joan, when you only sing one, one note, you can't be off key. <laughs> <You know>? so, <laughs> that helped a lot. Um, so, you know, to me, business, art, whatever it is, is just a journey into ourselves that we spent, you know, mm. we do have this need to be part of a tribe. We have a very strong need to feel touched, loved, and connected. And this whole aloneness thing is because we don't feel connected because people talk to each other on this very surface level. And, and we're trying to, you know, I was at a gathering the other day and 
I like to ask questions. I've been asking questions since I was a kid. I used to get punished for asking too many questions. I have a podcast because I ask so many questions. And I was with three people who didn't ask questions. They love to talk about themselves, but someone's got to ask them a question. <laughs> and so it was like doing an interview show with the people I was visiting with. And one of the guys who is a little OCD and, and he just loves to talk about himself and he's had an interesting life, but they don't know how to say, and who are you? Do you ever go to a networking thing where, where people, they just want to know what you do, not who you are. Not who you and are. that to me is this aloneness. Um, there's a woman, uh, Ursula Barnes wrote a book called What You Do Is Not Who You Are. She was the first black woman to become the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. She became the CEO of Xerox. And, and she came from a very poor family, but never knew that they were poor. So, and she had all these people come into her life who, who really you know, built her up. But that phrase is so good. What you do is not who you are. And the question for you is, well, who are you? Are you the principal or are you the artist or are you both? And why do you value the principal piece more than the artist piece? Probably because it pays the mortgage, <laughs> but that's it. <laughs> okay, so, but, you, but, but is it, is it the, but do you see your, your real self in your art? Absolutely. And, oh. and what's exciting is with my work is I just started a new job. So I'm a, a system level principal supporting all the schools, but in indigenous education. And so as a Métis person, it's been really powerful, powerful for me for the first time to have my identity so wrapped up in my day job, um, that the things that you were saying just around being seen and um, working with the team that I have has just been an incredibly powerful experience. And uh, I'm feeling very grateful for, for this uh, shift in the work. And it just feels like such meaningful work. So I, I feel like I'm all, I'm, I'm, those are just things I do, but the who I am is, is also connected to, because that's how we express ourselves, right? Is through the work that we do, whether it's writing a poem or taking a picture or painting or going and working with um, schools and kids and families. But do you feel connected to the people at work? Can you yes. recognize that feeling of connection? Yes. Okay. That can become your goal. People don't set feeling goals. They sell, set money goals. They send, set achievement goals. But what if you start selling, setting feeling goals. I want to learn how to feel more connected. In order to do that, you have to connect to other people because that's who we are as humans. Right. I, you just, I just had a huge aha from that because yes. I spent so many years in the IT industry where I always felt like an outlier. I never really felt connected. And it's why I always longed to get to my art, because that's where I felt connected. 
Mm-hmm. Where were you when I was in my 40s, Joan? <laughs> <laughs> where was I, where was I when I was in my 30s and I, the two the two failed marriages because I married my father, you know, I mean it's, it's like um, you know, you can't have regrets. You know, I truly believe yeah. that whatever we go through is what we need to become who we're becoming. And for me that's not happening yeah. until my 80s. So don't be in a hurry and just live your life as it shows up. (laughs) And uh, I can't believe how, I mean, I recognized 20 years ago that this aloneness was a major thing that related to money. Yet it's taken me, I think, I think I've gotten to the depth of it and it's not comfortable. When I'm doing this inner work, I have to be willing to feel the pain really feel it to the nth degree knowing that i'll come out of it because i've done this often enough to know that it's not going to last forever and i had been suicidal for 15 years so those thoughts keep creeping in and i have to go through this process so today i can have this conversation with you it strikes me that when we talk about pricing our creative work jessica what joan just said really fits in there we had to be willing to be uncomfortable about it. And and I had a case of that this fall where someone told me I wasn't a, another artist who is, uh, her work is represented in galleries and things, told me I needed to double my prices. And so my next painting that came up for sale, I doubled my price and I was terrified. I was so uncomfortable about it and it sold. So without any hesitation. So that was a big learning for me that I need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable when yes. I'm, you know, looking at what I'm pricing my work for. Yeah, that's always the pace. I, I go through that same thing. Yeah. I mean, I have had many people tell me I don't charge enough, but, you know, I my heart goes out to the people who are financially disabled. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, and if you're working with people who are financially disabled, they truly don't have the money. So now I'll sometimes, if there's, if it's a person who's in their 60s or 70s, I know they're not going to change. They want their life to change, but they, they're, they, they don't have the, 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 the stamina to change. It takes a lot of guts to change because as you change, all the people that you do know are going to push back because they want you to be where you were. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it Changing is not easy because you have to come against your place in your peer group and your place in your family. And, you know, I I really see how my brothers just want me to be a normal business person. Well, I'm not, you know, when I got out of the crystal business, because I I didn't want to be the crazy psychic lady and uh, surprise, that's what you are, Joan, even though you look real normal. Um, So it's... (laughs) You know, we, we all have to, you know, I don't think we come to this planet to have a good time. That's, that's my bottom line, that we come here, how to learn, to learn how to be co-creators with the universal force, whatever the hell as that is. I can't, you know, it's so far beyond three-dimensional reality that I can't describe it. Uh, but, uh, and I really believe that feelings are the creative force behind our life stories. 
And in order to learn how to be a creator to the nth degree, it helps to learn about feelings. Yeah. I mean, look how many Absolutely. artists, great artists are so destructive in their personal life. Van Gogh to me is always the perfect example of, of someone who was highly creative and just couldn't find his place in society. Yeah. yeah. All the Hollywood. Anything people. else you want to ask Jessica? Uh, no, <clears throat> I think that's, um, I think, yeah, I think we've covered all, all the pieces and uh, um, I've got lots to think about here um, and reflect on and, and try to try to make some choices around um, around those pricing pieces, pricing, pricing work is new to me. So, um, I'll, uh, I'll have to get a sense of, uh, what's out there too, like you said, and see what's in the market. Cause I don't know, cause you just like, <laughs> yeah, just get a sense of things. I find that the pricing piece, um, I've not sold art before. So I have an art show coming up next month and, um, normally, uh, my work has always been books. And books kind of fit within a particular price point, and you don't really have the freedom to say, "I think this book is worth this." It's the the book just comes with a price attached. So uh, moving now into the art world a little bit, um, it's new for me to kind of think those things through. So um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll sort those pieces out and reflect on all the all the things that you've shared today. One of my friends, Patty Block, talks a lot about pricing, and I did. My podcast has a lot of information. I mean, I've been doing it since 2013, and the solo episodes are usually about the inner stuff. And and when I interview people, it's it's often about the business stuff, and uh, and the personal stuff. And uh, Patty Block, the interview I did with her is all about pricing. Awesome. I'll and I know you have some, yeah. sorry, Jessica. I know you also have some courses available through your prosperity place. Anyone in particular you'd recommend to creative types? Well, in order to step out of your right brain into your left brain, I've tried to make it as easy as possible. And I have <laughs> the, the, the main course is rewire your brain for prosperity and financial freedom. And it comes with the uh, fina financial freedom formula course. But in each of these courses, I integrate those two things. And my book, Build Your Money Muscles, which is available on my site and on Amazon, um, is, uh, I, even though it was written 15 years ago, and I, I was looking through it the other day, and a lot of it has, has, has evolved but it still has a lot of really good information. Okay. Thank you so much. We're so glad you came on today, Joan. A lot of meat in there for people to think about. A lot of, um, as artists, you know, we often, we think we're in touch with our, our emotions. And then when it comes time to be a business, it, it, it gets, like I said, a little sticky for us. So uh, I think he gave us a lot to think about today. How about you, Jessica? Anything you want to yeah, add? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, I wasn't sure what uh, when April proposed we do a show on money and emotion. 
Um, I was really excited. I wasn't sure where it was going to go. And uh, I always find that money has some emotions attached. It can be an uh, emotional thing. So I was looking forward to the learning today. And you certainly shared uh, lots of your, your stories and your um, tips and things with us. And uh, we're very grateful for that. It's great being here. I really appreciate the chance to share. And next week, Jessica, what are we talking about? Uh, we continue back with our, our book, book study, study, right? Yeah, we're back to the book study and we're looking at the um, section on connect and create. And we've got two guests coming on next time. Um, two artists, Jenny Burke and Jennifer Trefiak. Fantastic. Okay. Thanks very much. And thanks again, Joan, all the way from New Mexico. Is wow. I love the power of the internet for this kind of stuff. <laughs> very cool. Yep. Okay. So I'll stop the. Hey, everybody. April here at the end of episode nine, The Business of Art. And we talked about money and emotion this time with our guest, Joan Sotkin. Actually, we let Joan do the talking. So this was a little departure for us from the way we usually do this. But she, I have known Joan for so many years and she has so much wisdom to share. I really recommend going to her site, looking at some of her courses. You know, a lot of people resist this idea that it's not just about the money, but she has learned so much in her lifetime and she has studied the science of emotion and the brain science behind all of this. So really recommend you go there, have a look at it. Some of the things that she teaches may help you really get past that whole idea of my, my work isn't worth it, or how can I possibly charge that much, or even the imposter syndrome that so often haunts us as creatives. Hope you have a great week. Keep creating, and we'll talk to you next week. You can find more podcast episodes and today's playlist at thehummingbirdpodcast.com. And you can learn more about our creative work at our individual websites. So you can learn more about me, Jessica, at sunshineinajar.com and more about April at aprilyjanes.com, A-P-R-I-L-L-E-J-A-N is in November, E-S.com. If you have any hummingbird questions for us to explore, we invite you to let us know. At thehummingbirdpodcast.com.